0: and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 197. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Easy Life. The indie five piece from the UK are today releasing their brilliant sophomore record entitled Maybe in Another Life. In today's episode, we're speaking with frontman Murray Matravers about how the recording process differs from the first record, collaborating over Zoom. And we discuss the Kevin Abstract and Glastonbury mishap. Here we go. Our guest today is the frontman and songwriter for one of the most exciting indie and alternative bands to come out of the UK in the last few years. Seamlessly blending genres together and adding their own futuristic production touches to their music, they're set to continue to win fans across the globe. Today, they're releasing their second studio record, Maybe in Another Life. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Murray McTravis from Easy Life.
1: Welcome, sir. How are we? Hello. Yeah, very well. Hello, Simon. Um, thanks for thanks for having me, man. Pleasure to be here. My absolute pleasure to have you.
0: Uh, as we just discussed a little bit before we started recording, you are currently in the country at the moment, which is very exciting. Um, and I know that you're not kind of see all the wildlife that you'd like to see, but um, it is an exciting time. Regardless, there is a brand new Easy Life record coming out this week in maybe another life. Firstly, congratulations, mate, because this is a beautiful, beautiful record.
1: Thank you so much, man. Yeah, we, we're we so proud of it. I feel uh, so excited to share it. You know, I've obviously, we've had it finished for like six months now and just like so eager to put it out in the world. Um, we had to delay it for various reasons, but it's coming and we're so gassed. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be amazing, man.
0: Of course. Well, it is, the, it is the second studio record from the band, but... I feel like the the old cliche of the difficult second record maybe doesn't apply to, to yourselves. I know you've been prolific with with mixtapes and um and other releases before this. So it's not like new ground that you're covering. Um I guess was there was there much pressure this time round in following up the, the previous record?
1: No, do you know what? Like obviously I'd heard from various people, like the, you know, the difficult second album. Um but I made this record in secret. Like no one was asking me to make the record. We did it so quickly. I made it in like less than a year. And obviously this is like straight after the release of Life's a Beach, our first album. So there was no pressure. And I think for various reasons, I uh, I, I needed to just do this one for me. I really tried to just imagine that no one was listening. And I think that's been, that's been a difficult thing to grasp. You know, we started Easy Life kind of young and, based around just no one's ever going to hear any of this music, you know, because that was just the energy and we didn't care. And then all of a sudden we're famous fucking musicians. It's like, <laughs> Oh no, like, oh, like maybe, maybe we like need to do things a certain way or whatever. And and those thoughts, like I feel like it, they, they do stifle your creativity. And I, I noticed this, you know, I've, I've, I've matured and I've understood the process. So when it came to making the second album, it felt I felt free. I was like, I'm just gonna do this for me. I shut my way, shut myself away in in the studio. I took a couple trips to to LA, and I just had the best time making it. It was really really fun. There's so much genuine enjoyment uh, inside the album, which I've hopefully managed to capture with the recordings and. I'm just so proud of it. I think the the cliche of the def, difficult second album is going to apply for me on the third album because I'm, like, fresh out of ideas. And, like, I've obviously pulled the wool over people's eyes and sneakily made this <laughs> album, and that worked great this time. But I don't think they're going to let, you know, I don't think I'm going to get away with it again. So maybe there'll be more pressure on the third album. But I don't know. You know, I, I also feel like I've just... Uh, the pressures pressure's okay now. I think for a while it, it it might have bothered me, but I'm I'm a lot more at ease with where we are now as a band.
0: That's that's awesome to hear. I am I'm very curious. I know I think it was part of the the first record. A lot of it was recorded at home. Um, I think there was even some of the like the brass uh, elements of the record recorded in like the living room or downstairs of someone's flat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to record the brass in my flat uh which was like the sixth floor of this high rise in, in South London and uh yeah I literally had to knock on all the neighbours. It was lockdown so everyone's working from home and Sam's turning up to my house with a baritone sax which is loud and I'm knocking on I'm like, just so you know, I'm gonna make loads of noise for like four hours. And then I'll stop. I promise. And I'm like giving them a bottle of wine, and you know, <laughs> made it all okay. Uh, but this this uh, second album, we we actually recorded the brass in a studio, which was much better. I didn't have to, you know, buy loads of wine, um, which was nice. Uh, but yeah, now, the first album was was all made pretty much, you know, inside of in the box, you know, in the laptop and, like, in my bedroom. I'm I'm super blessed. The, the best thing that's ever happened for me in Easy Life is I've actually recently acquired my own space, my own studio outside of my house, um, which is so amazing because I live with my girlfriend and, like, when I used to have to make music, I used to always just do it on headphones because I'm just so embarrassed to, like, for having people listening in on the creative process. So when I got the studio, I was just so, so gassed to actually be able to leave the house and then be in a new environment and it, I think it inspired a lot of creativity. So um, I'm super blessed. Like I've always done it in my bedroom, which has been amazing. I've loved that. T- you know, the idea of being a bedroom producer, I still feel like that, but it's, um, yeah, I was gassed to get my own space. It's the best thing that, that that I've achieved so far. That's awesome to hear.
0: I was yeah. I was going to touch on, like, I guess, did you find with having your own space this second time around that you were a little bit more, free in the ideas that you were able to have or that you were able to because there's no restraints there's no neighbors to worry about you can kind of try multiple different avenues on one different idea or
1: or something like that for sure and it was the first time i ever had a pair of monitors like i've always just done everything on headphones for like the first couple mixtapes were like just literally apple earphones Um, so it was nice to hear more things in the productions that helped. Mm-hmm. Uh But yeah, I, honestly having that space and I'd, i just moved house and I, throughout lockdown, I was moving a lot, a lot of, uh, like, shit went down with obviously people getting ill um, and, like, my pa- I couldn't live with my parents because they were, like, quite vulnerable and then we couldn't... I ended up living in a hotel for a while and then I was moving house and I moved out of London um, and all that period and then the stuff, like, happening with the band we weren't touring, it was, like, all really chaotic and I think I'd arrived at the... When I started writing this album, I'd just kind of finally landed um, back in London and I'd just got this space and I think I just sort of just took a breather and it felt really good and I I felt really inspired. I wanted to write. I felt like I had a lot to talk about. Um, So much had happened in a relatively short amount of time and I don't think I'd really dealt with any of it in in terms of my, my personal life, you know, and I hadn't really given myself the time to... A, appreciate like how far we've come, but B, also like question some of the decisions we've made. Um, And I think I did that throughout the process of writing this album and I wouldn't have done that had I just been sat at home because I think the home is quite a safe environment to just feel like everything's, everything's good. You know, at home I'm just having a cup of tea and loving it. Whereas in the studio, I might be asking more searching questions like... You know, how do you feel about your relationships? How do you feel about the band? How, you know, those more searching, you know, introvert type things. The 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 environment of the studio helps me helps me reach that space. So, yeah, I love it. In fact, I shouted out the the, the studio quite a lot in throughout the album in certain ways that I own, only make sense to me. But yeah, the space was super important for me.
0: That's awesome, T. I'm glad that there is something that you can kind of Uh, You utilize to just be able to run free with those ideas and and be able to create the music that you do create. I know that Easy Life kind of has resonated with a lot of fans. You do seem to have a lot of fans here in Australia as well, which is fantastic. Um, One thing that I love about the band and loved about this new record is it kind of continues the, I feel like it's almost stream of consciousness lyrics where it's not kind of one set theme. I love that there's still a little bit of tongue-in-cheek or um, uh, witty observations, if you will. One of my favourite lines is from the the collaboration with Benny where I want to make sure I get this line, the, the line right. I wrote it down. I don't understand you because you've got a face like a slapped fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, for yourself, when you are uh, approaching lyric writing, how do you find that kind of perfect balance between having witty... Banter within songs, but also not ending up with a with a like a comedy song or like a, sure. a song that still has substance, if you will.
1: Sure. I mean, to start with, thank you. That's super kind. Because um, I'm never sure if I've overstepped the mark or if it's too stupid or if it's even too too deep. Sometimes as well, uh, lyric writing is always inherently like really exposing. Um, and I feel, I genuinely feel I'm, um, I'm, I'm constantly trying to get better at writing lyrics. Um, and yeah, hearing you say, oh, I think you've done a good job like that, that genuinely that helps because I, I never know, man, like I'm just doing, I'm just writing as honestly and as authentically as possible. And like. It's very conversational, our lyrics. They always have been. I just feel like I'm talking, A, to myself or B, like perhaps a subject matter or a a particular person that I'm addressing the song to or maybe even just the audience. But I always feel like I'm just talking to someone. Um, And the way that I talk in England and stuff sometimes happens to be like a little bit funny or whatever, trying like crack a joke here and there, make some friends (laughs) perhaps, who knows. I guess that just comes across in in the lyrics. But I just just write what I feel and what I see. I've always felt that if, uh, you know, something happens to me or if I've noticed something, then everyone else, that's happened to everyone else as well. And they've seen the same shit. Perhaps we're just not talking about it. And then I talk about it and that's perhaps why it becomes funny because it's like, ha, yeah, so true. Like, Like I understand what you're saying, and I don't know. Yeah, it's not necessarily intentional. And I don't know, lyric lyric writing is always... I think I understand the the process of writing music a lot more. I feel like that's... It's not formulaic, but there's certainly building blocks. But with lyrics, it can just come from anywhere. Sometimes I, I can't write lyrics. In fact, lots of the time, loads of the time. I have so many instrumentals which i I really love and pretty much unless i come up with the lyric simultaneously or pretty soon after then those instrumentals just never never see the light of day because yeah uh, yeah some like black magic shit i don't know how it all works really <laughs>
0: <laughs> look that's very fair i appreciate the honesty in, in your answer um on this new record i think uh having listened to it a few times i think my favorite track was bu- uh bubble wrap beautiful kind of chord structure beautiful cadences um would you be able to, if if you're willing to, kind of give us a peek, I guess, behind the curtains of this song and just what inspired it or what what brought this song on?
1: Yeah, so I've alluded to it uh, before. I was I was moving house a lot when I was started writing this record, and I'd actually um, all my stuff was in bubble wrapped up in boxes, and I was really frustrated and I had nowhere to work which was, uh, stressing me out. I had my laptop, but I I was moving house and I was just living in a, I was in a hotel, um, for a while. And, uh, yeah, I felt really like kind of just lost in general, like geographically a little bit lost, but in my head space was all just a bit hectic and I wasn't really making good decisions or holding it down and blah, 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 blah. But everything was wrapped up in bubble wrap. And I was like, uh, that to me was that I had the title and I was like, that's right. I'm going to talk about this. And I ended up, I went to the studio. I wasn't living in London, but I had my studio and it was like pretty much completely empty, but I went and I was like, you know what? I'm just, I need some time to just chill. Cause like music's often like my therapy kind of thing. And then like, it can calm me down or it can certainly explain a situation to myself. Um, so I was going through all this shit and I was like, right, I'm going to go to, so I drove to the studio Uh, and, like, booked a hotel down the road and ended up just getting completely, like, smashed by myself (laughs) in the studio and just, like, had an SM58 and I just, like, became this weird kind of character and all the chords are, like, really... I I was really drunk when I wrote that. Um, I was, like, the drunkest I've ever written a song. Um, Chord-wise, just, like stole those chords from classic like Bee Gees songs, like you'll notice the, the cadences, like you said they're just, they're everywhere in the 70s everyone's used those chords, they're just like classic, like Beatles-esque like just the classic songwriting building blocks um, but I wanted that to, I wanted the it to feel like a, a nostalgic song, you know um, and the sample the, all the strings, they're just sampled I, I went on YouTube and was like pretty string song and then i i don't know how i did it because i don't even know where i got it from but tell no one because we're supposed to like submit all this so of course um but i'd like ripped it on like youtube and then cut it together uh and I remember when we come to record the brass on there, there's some brass in that song, but it's really low in the mix. But when we came to record it, they were all like really great musicians. And they were like, oh, the strings on this are so good. Like the way you recorded it is amazing. And I'm there like, <laughs> "It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you guys. Cheers. Yeah. Was, you know, but um, yeah, I've write that one in a blur. Uh, but I'm so glad you picked that up. We, it's, it means a lot to me. I, I I felt that that song really. There's a lot of a sadness in that song, and I think when I wrote that song, I left a lot of the sadness in the room, and I, I felt much better after that. And it it contains this uh, voice memo, voice uh, mail. Sorry, that Sam, the bass player in the band and the saxophone, he he left me this voicemail after we'd sort of we'd like fucked up at this gig, and like for various reasons, I won't get into it, but it was like quite a I'm going through a little bit of a sticky situation, and he just left me this voicemail, and it really encapsulated the whole essence of the the album, like this maybe in another life, like what could have been, and you know it's going to be okay, but perhaps you should have done something different, or maybe not, maybe the decisions you made are good ones. Like only time will tell. But his voicemail, I wanted to just put it in there as like a it really grounds the song, it anchors it in like the reality and. Yeah, I really love that song, so thanks for mentioning that one.
0: No, of course. As I mentioned, it, it is uh, the song that kind of jumped out to me, stood out to me the most. Oh. But um, the whole album is fantastic. You do seem to manage a beautiful kind of mix of nostalgia, pushing things forward, being future kind of leaning as well. Um, there are some kind of emotions that are happy and sad. It, it's it You've kind of done a beautiful... What, what do they call it, like balancing plates, like the when you've got plate, many plates spinning? Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you've done that very, very well.
1: Thank you, um, Maya. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. I wanted to quickly touch on some of the guests that you had on there. Um, we've got Kevin Abstract, we've got Benny. How did these kind of collaborations come about and what was it about, I guess, these two? I know. I think, sorry, Gus Stapperton as well. Don't want to forget him, but mm. what was it about these collaborators that kind of stood out to you as, yes, I'd love to work with them?
1: Yeah, I mean, Gus Stapperton, uh, He's just my my homie. We've known him for ages. When he came and toured the UK, that was actually the first tour Easy Life ever went on. We went on tour with Gus and we supported him, and we've been friends ever since. So that one was super collaborative. Um, I know I just keep going on about how I didn't. I was moving house a load of times, but this <laughs> particular time I was in like this like barn with like no central heat in. and I just ended up in this really weird spot in England long story but I was down I was freezing and Gus and I he was in New York and it was really cold for him too and we were chatting I was like yo do you want to like write a song on zoom because like we've been meaning to write a song for ages and uh it's never going to happen. I was, it felt like lockdown was never going to end and I certainly wasn't ever going to be able to get to New York. We actually ended up shooting a video together for the song in New York, um, which was great. But yeah, we just jumped on zoom and it was hilarious. I was, I, we spent most of our time just mucking around, but then we he started playing these chords, which were the chords. Um, and he recorded them, sent them to me and I was sort of like doing it I'd like zoom up here and then like logic on the, and I was making it and I just made the drums and the song came about super quick. And Gus is just mad talented. Just came up with the melody and we had this idea of antifreeze. Cause we were both freezing. Like I was honestly like, I was real cold, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that's where the idea came from about just being like in a frozen planet and like getting really freaky with it. And I think because I know him so well, like my hook in there is like just Really strange. I sound like an alien. I, th- I think I labelled all the channels as like Alien One, Alien Two, and like I messed <laughs> with all the like formant of the vocal, and I just feel really comfortable with it. So that's how that one came. uh Sorry, these are long answers. No, uh, no, I appreciate it. You're <laughs> not in a rush. <laughs> uh, and then I guess I met uh, Benny. Through Gus, to be honest, like the connection was made like via that link because obviously they had that like smash TikTok anthem together, uh, which is just crazy. Um, and I'd I'd had OTT. So like the already like I'd written it, but I just hadn't got it needed something or someone had a verse there and I wanted uh, I thought Benny's voice would just be perfect and like her her storytelling is also quite similar to mine in a way. It's like very honest and very sort of, I find her lyricism like really provocative. And, uh, she has that like tongue in cheek thing as well, which she does really well. She's honest. I don't know if you've interviewed her or whatever, but she's hilarious. She has like the best sense of humor, but, um, that aside. So I just sent her the song and she sent me back that verse and I was blown away. Um, so, yeah, I was super gassed to have her. It feels like it's a real, like, we're like a real, like, community. It's a real scene, you know. We all, like, do the same stuff and kind of wear the same clothes. And even though we're all from all over the world, it's great. I mean, it, for me, it's just such an honour to know these guys. I've, they're, they're super creative. Um, and the Kevin thing, like, I can't lie, at Easy Life, we're huge fans of Brockhampton and always have been. Um everyone in in that collective is, is really, really cool. But Kevin really stood out for us, obviously being the front man, uh, but also he has his like uh you know, solo albums and the Arizona baby album that he released a few years back now was like a big album for us because like it was kind of like an indie album, but with yeah. the rap, the rap vocal, um, which is kind of something that we felt we were doing and um so it was always a dream to like work with him because I thought we could just do something cool um and I was in LA at the start of this year I'd pretty much finished the album uh and I'd reached out to Kevin and he was down to hang out um so he like took me for food and like really looked after us it was super sweet actually because I find LA to be like quite a lonely place to be honest um it is, and that yeah. you have your people there it's so spread out that it's quite hard to navigate and enjoy so i was super grateful that he would take me under his wing and like show me a good time so shout out kevin for that but then one day we went to the studio and i was playing him the album and he was playing me his new project as well which is just ridiculously good but (laughs) uh it got to dear miss holloway and he was i love this one like can i can i do a verse and I already had a second verse on there, but I just deleted that shit straight away. because <laughs> I was like, wow, Kevin Abstract's going to do an Easy life song, this is, course, this is yeah. Um And yeah, he just, he did it there and then. He's a true professional. He just did it like in half an hour and we stuck a mic up and that was it. I, I flew back to to England the next day and finished the song and that was it.
0: I love that. I love that. I know, what did I hear? I did hear that... You flew him back over to the UK for I think Glastonbury and he came out and maybe didn't remember all the words, but still got a good reception regardless.
1: Oh my God. No, that was just shocking. Uh, (laughs) I feel so bad for him. It was, yeah, because Glastonbury is like huge. We played the, we played the pyramid stage, which is like an, an iconic stage and something that was like bucket list shit for us. And we're like, yeah, we got to make this the best show of our lives and all that. So we're like, Kevin, fly out here, bro. We got you. And he's he's gas to come to Glastonbury, of course. So pulled up and yeah, we didn't rehearse. It's our fault. I I take some of the blame for this. We didn't rehearse, <laughs> but also Kevin, my man, didn't rehearse. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, it is what it is. We all we all make mistakes. I forget my lyrics all the time, all the time. If I have the first lyric of the song, the very mm. first one, then I can do the whole song. But If you forget the first one, then
0: game yeah, over. you I'm pretty
1: it. sure he had, he had a case of the forgetting the first one.
0: Look, it's very kind of you to take on some of that responsibility with him. I think that's very uh, chivalrous of you, very gentlemanly. Um, <laughs> Murray, no. lastly, we would uh, usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to, if there's anything that's kind of on high rotation for yourself at the moment.
1: Oh, so I've just rediscovered the Bon Iver album II, which I listened to. It came out in yeah. 2019, and I listened to it then. But I was listening to it on the plane on the way here in headphones. So good, it's so good. And there's a song on there called Hey Ma, and I've, I listened to it. Must have like maybe like eight or nine times on repeat. I'm obsessed, and then actually I've already youtube like a live version of it but it's only like fan footage i want to see that shit live it is so good so i've been listening to that a lot um yeah
0: very very solid choice and a great great record from um from oh. and justin vernon
1: it is the greatest it's yeah
0: another great record though to add to everyone's collection is the new record from easy life. It is out this week. It is called maybe in another life. Murray, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh,
1: Simon. Thank you, dude. Thank you for letting me just jabber on for, for hours. <laughs> cheers, dude. Thanks for having me.
0: And that's our show. A massive thank you to Murray and easy life for their time. Maybe in another life is out today. And we've left links in the show notes. If you'd like to purchase the record, We also want to give a huge shout out to Danielle at Universal Music Australia for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning, and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.